Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Going to be taking a look at the original uh, Outlaw comic, but first got to let you guys know that we have a Patreon, and our biggest supporters get all of our videos for free, and if they're up early enough, you get, you're watching us on a live stream, even though they'll have access to that live stream, even uh, if they are on the West Coast or whatever. Uh, the, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make, and you're looking at a bibliography of a bunch of our stuff. Uh, Red Room Crypto Killers 1 is being solicited at your comic shop right now. Two other trades of that are available. Uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings and the Antisocial Network. I'm serializing new Red Room stuff on my Patreon. Uh, three volumes X-Men Grand Design, 10-year anniversary, Hip Hop Family Tree, four volumes of that. Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design forthcoming. Uh, two stores very soon. You need to get your hands on that quick because it is going fast already. Playing James is out there and Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback is available to you helps keep the videos coming to you on a daily basis uh jimmy let's take a look at the original outlaw comic man zap that, comics zero that cover looks familiar ed i know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much for that dude uh just looking at this cover this is not your average bear man this is comes out in the late 60s uh we know what comic book reproduction looks like certainly even covers and things these are deft hand separations that are being done you see this little piece here? I was looking, you know how like, there's all kinds of misprints and things? Like this shows up on every Zap Zero, and it makes you wonder like, is it a blended zip screen? It's so interesting because like I'm looking, I don't have a copy of this. I yeah. read a digital copy for to prep the episode. There's just a cyan plate sticking up too. Like there's a line right here. Right. And above it, you're not getting any yellow screen on it. Um, it's kind of fascinating, yes. and I'll be honest, I did a Red Room homage cover to this. It makes me mad that I did not <laughs> reflect that or this piece of seam of uh, film, it looks like, maybe there. Yes. Uh, the the, the uh, separations are sharp as fuck. Nothing off register. Uh, it is for color because you got the little red here. I have two or three versions of this and uh, different price tags on each. Like that's, right. how, that's how you Many sort of de de denote it. And even this version has many many printings man like if it's like six five four three does it mean it's seventh printing i never understand that it's, I, it's I, either I six or, or seven something like that i guess so it's so weird how that how that works i i don't totally understand that yeah but i have one that's like a 60 center nice also got these for cover price at phantom of the attic i, I, I bet you it's probably from the bem collection probably. when bill boy shell sells Be sells the bem stock to phantom before he creates copacetic comics and they had them in order yep. like every issue man like i would i would get my i would starve myself from school lunch and then go to phantom on saturdays and pick up an issue or two one note before you flip six toes yeah <laughs> six toes on that left leg um you know it's it's great that they would keep these in print too because totally. like you can still buy these at a reasonable price you yeah. can find a seventh printing for under 20 bucks or, totally. or, or so so it's 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 uh i'm glad whenever a company does that yeah. or a creator does that uh and hopefully it serves them well too you know this comic does a lot this comic is extremely freaking important uh one of the elements that is important is robert crumb creating creating the grand tradition of every every line on the page is controlled by him drawing the interior covers drawing the back cover cutting your own color separations, not allowing any more space for, for anybody else's anything, I bet you, well, I'd be willing to bet that there's some hand-lettered indicia stuff Yeah, almost on uh, the, the first round. It, this is certainly 
easier to uh, manage uh, at this point. But I, I mean, we can make a fucking argument that, you know, this is 1967. Uh, This is kind of the birth of the direct market in a way. You know, it's it's not the feel suling direct market. They're using the distribution mechanism of the psychedelic posters and the brick and mortars of the head shops to distribute the stuff. Yeah, it's that stuff is interesting to me, and it's something honestly I don't know that much about. I know they were distributed that way, but I don't know who the distribution players are. And it makes me think like that's part of why uh, uh, why this may not be self published, right? Is because they're is like a distribution model. There so you is. have publishers entering undergrounds with sort of roads into that distribution model. And the and the the road to get to underground comic books is the same as the road that created the comic book. There were the hippie papers, weekly papers, and you might get a little strip here, Captain High, <laughs> Dope Man, whatever the fuck. And then you get like a one page broadsheet our crumb strip or like a Gilbert Shelton fabulous furry freak brothers or whatever. And then those start to like catch, you know, people really start to endorse those papers and, 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 and grab those papers. Yeah. Well, I'm going to read Abby Hoffman's article, but let's see what crumbs up to these days, man. And then create a system where like you're doing the complete paper, which is a little bit different than the way comics grew. But like there were like three issues of Yarrow Stocks, which was a broadsheet. We looked at it with uh, Warren Bernard, I believe. If we didn't do it on the channel, we looked at it at his house. And if we didn't look at it on the channel, Warren, you're going to bring those next time. (laughs) Three issues of that where where Crumb is doing the complete, you know, broadsheet, no staples, none of that stuff. And a big newspaper. Very logical to grow to the space of, of of the comic book with the glossy cover, the newsprint, all of that. Uh, an, another innovation is just the avant-garde nature of it. Uh, this is 1967, and uh, there's not like traditional punchlines. The shit is goofy. The stuff ends, and you're just like, what? Like, what is meatball? I was gonna say, like, starting with page one. Yeah. This is like what? what starting with one? yeah, fair page enough. zero. Yeah, fair like, enough. Hey, what's that little dot over yeah. there? And it's just <laughs> this like Max Fleischer looking like 1940s cartoon guy waving, and he's like, look, just... you'll never know what you're getting. The issue is that like. Crumb is out of his mind. He is. In this moment. He is. Yeah, this this feels like um you get to like dream projects. Yeah. You know, I you imagine Crumb Robert Crumb and Charles Crumb making comics as a kid. And then at this point it's like he just gets to make a comic book and it's a comic book. It'd be professionally printed and it's whatever he wants. And he's doing meatball, you know, I mean it, you can see EC in that title lettering. Yeah. You know, right off the bat. And it's just odd. Like I was reading this. I must never have read this. Mm. <laughs> and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this explains a chunk of like yummy fur Chester Brown totally, comics all of this. that are kind of like, I don't know, subconscious, surreal, weird stream of thought. Yeah, this guy things. could be in Ed the Happy Clown. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, bizarre comics. Many an intellectual has tried to unpack uh, the meatball story in particular, or allusions to capitalism, uh, class, class, uh, warfare, class changing. Yeah. And the it's corruption. So, of... It's so funny because like knowing crumb, it's hard to imagine that it's any more than just like five pages of comics. Right. You know, like it's, it's, uh, that's how he operates. You know, it's a very 
first question Terry Zweigoff asks him in the documentary is, what are you trying to get at your work? And Crumb is, pushes that away. Like, I'm just trying to reveal stuff to myself. I could look at something, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, and have some idea of, like, where it might have been. But it's a constant process of revealing things to himself. And you know what? It ain't a pretty picture. How old is Crumb at this point? That's a good question. I think he's, like, early 40s. Really? 40? No, 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 no. When, when he's born. Oh, like, the, okay. the year. So... So young, twenties, late okay. late twenties, um, and and the reason I mention it is like, if all we did was look at meatball, we could probably talk about it for half an hour. Totally, but this kind of stuff, you know. On the previous page, you see sort of like the authority archetype figure that's also a cartoon, completely realized visually. Yeah, and then like the meatball is practically a mascot. It looks like it could be an advertising mascot. There. Yeah, yeah, and it dovetails into these guys who are like those like. Let's go out to the lobby to get ourselves a snack. It's a huge vocabulary. And he's pulling from the imagery that was all over the place when he was a kid. And that's that's what like really is the is the trippy shit because he's reappropriating extremely wholesome stuff it's from that time period. Yeah, for sure. Like in this exact imagery would be in those old cartoons too. Like you got to have And the, in the advertising. You got to have the precursor pieces in Floyd Godfordson, Mickey Mouse's and 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 even Will Eisner pushed back and, and like had to has language to describe like his his use of of like black imagery in, in his comics and things. And uh Crumb, you know, it's it's a it's a blemish. It's something that uh, turns a whole lot of people off to to his work. So you gotta at least uh, yeah, and, and acknowledge it. Understandably so. Like anything we look at, I always think like if this really isn't your bag, it's not your bag. Like yeah. I'm not trying to push a particular comic on someone, but your description of like again, starting with meatball and the idea of like what is this? And it's sort of like crumb processing the world you know it's it's much less crumb making a statement than it is crumb sort of saying like this is the shit like this is what's around me right and that's where you see these really problematic imagery because it's like that's what i grew up with in advertising it's, totally. it'd be self-censoring if it weren't there right itsy and bitsy is a good page to uh unpack a little bit <laughs> because it's him uh dude it's just a rapidograph like it's that deadline, he might have a different, you know, he uses a different line for the panel border, but it's a very clear deadline rapidograph. It's tighter than the sketchbooks, which suggests penciling, uh, but... Or working it out as a uh, rough in the sketchbook first. Yeah, I mean, concept. this is pretty tight It stuff. is tight, it is tight, no doubt about it. It's um, That size calls to mind something like a Chris Ware. It a does, generation or, exactly. Or you can imagine the Quimby strips mm -hmm. uh, be pulling from this. And then uh, Gilbert will do strips that are, that are like this, you know, 20, 30 panels a page. Uh, and it's just animation. He's doing animation on paper, basically, in a slapsticky goofball stuff. He uses these kind of characters a bunch. And it has that same feeling as Meatball in the sense of what do we take away from this? Right. You know, it's it's these two guys that are fighting and hurting each other, but also like buddies and end on good terms and, you know, walk in and walk out. It's like almost a, a, a like a circle. He admits that he is much more a drawer than a cartoonist. And certainly all this early period stuff, he's not concerned with Aristotle. He's not concerned with three-act structure. He's just doing, basically, it's a vestige of his childhood that he's doing, man. And, and once again, in the documentary, he talks about, like, he has other drawing interests. This is like a means yeah. for him. The, I guess the biggest strip is this Mr. Natural one, character that proved popular already in the uh, free weeklies, or, or I guess the, the alt weeklies, the underground weeklies at the time, establishing two uh, 
of his main characters here, Flaky Foont and uh, Mr. Natural, who are characters that he would be using basically the rest of his career during the time that you and I were hanging out. Man, those mystic funnies, uh, those are Mr. Natural stories with uh, Flaky Foont as uh, he continues to grow up and become a man. Here he's, he's kind of a doe-eyed, uh, basically, uh, like, Mr. Natural's Charles Manson. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you could see reading this comic that there are these suggestible, lost fucking kids. And if you got the wrong guy kind of steering them in directions, tremendous evil can happen. Because, like, yeah, he's a guru or whatever, but he's very lo-fi. Yeah, I'll send you something in the mail, but that's not quite good enough for this dude. And it's also, it's very California, where, like, you got rich ass people willing to give lots of money to like live forever or or have some secret information or something so then he does that bullshit baffles brains gimmick that's really satisfying which is like uh, anybody going to a psychic or crystal ball reader or something and there's like whole books you can read on that stuff man about about uh about cold reading somebody man uh, a maybe is a yes a no is a no, and a yes is a yes. And it, and you judge a person's body language when you tell them a story, and you see how they're responding. And if it looks positive, keep going in that direction. Like, there's whole books about that right. kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that Crumb is so good at that part, that human psychology. He's, he's, he's an outsider. He does not identify. He's associated with the hippie movement and all that stuff, but he himself does not identify with that. He pushes against it. And I was having this conversation last night where, where I was saying that, like, the 10 year anniversary of hip hop family tree is 10 year anniversary of me not being a part of society in a way. Cause like I, the culture's changing and I'm sitting here every day drawing, uh, living in my own world. And as things are changing, I am removed. I, I am living in my own headspace. I'm living in my own culture. The people that I associate with you included are not representative of like, the tweets that you see or like the comments that you see online it's different people it's a different generation i'm not a part of that but he was young at the time and this is like you know what everybody around me is corny and living in it you know you mentioned the cartooning coming out of his childhood and worth noting for anybody unfamiliar with his story that haven't maybe haven't seen the crumb documentary or don't know his backstory it's not a pleasant childhood no you know it's uh there, there's some ingredients there that if you're going to continue to kind of sow those it's going to reflect that. You don't get that drawing proficiency if you were uh, the prom king um, using full-on, like, popular hippie imagery in just a fucking acid trip of a, of a comic right there. It'd be amazing to see people put together runs of this kind of stuff because I think of the dancing Alex Toth strip. Yeah. And, you know, like, you could find probably some Ditko stuff that has these kind of elements. And I feel like there's this is that's a subgenre of comics this kind of thing where like the visuals just completely m take over the narrative this is a whole comic right here this is a 22 page comic in, yeah. in, in in one page with these little beersy wearsies that still have that sort of iconic fleischer brothers like early uh ub iWorks proto mickey type energy where it got some little dudes pulling a caper consummate cartoonist right so you got the black mouse you got you got the mm -hmm. non-black mouse with with like white ears or whatever the albino mouse or whatever they pull a they pull a trip uh they snatch an old lady's pocketbook throwing dynamites they they're hooligans <laughs> running from the cops everything one of them meets a girl but there's no honor among thieves 
So he's the dude that got all the bounty and is like, hey, baby, hey, toots, well, let me take you out on a date. Uh, it becomes spy versus spy where, where <laughs> the, the other mouse comes up and is, is going is gonna, to uh, cause, cause damage to the guy. Probably a little jealous that homeboy got a girlfriend, man. But uh, no honor among thieves. But, you know, they're both shifty characters. Our uh, guy uh, suspects something's up and is prepared. But the girl has an idea, right. you see, man. She's like, listen, we could be a thruple. Yeah, and then our, our, our mouse has an idea. Still bandits <laughs> and putting that girl out on the track, baby. Oh, it's raining outside. Dance between the raindrops, biatch. Incredible story. <laughs> every panel is loaded with something that is comics language. Yes. Like every gag, you know, slipping on oil for the policeman that's chasing him are word balloons that have music notes and question marks in them, sound effects. Sound effects. Uh, all the sweat drops and the exclamation points off the top. It's so loaded with just cartoon iconography. And when you mentioned Fleischer Brothers, I gotta confess, like I would catch reruns of that when I was a kid. That stuff used to really disturb me. Sure. It was, there was a darkness in that material. Yeah. Probably reflective of like the twenties or, or, you know, early thirties or whenever that stuff's being made. That's like, it's a tough world out there, you yeah. know, like like the backgrounds of those comics, man. Everybody's a hobo. I'm like happy. like there was that one, uh, you know, the Christmas special. I got that on one of those like five five uh, you know five and dime VHS tapes that's real light and eats up yeah. your VCR. And it's like you know, it's kids in an orphanage and they're just taking apart their dresser drawers to make toboggans and things. Right. And we have extra room, so let's put another strip down here. Just like those uh, broadsheet strips of yore, where it would be, you know, here's a thimble theater, and then you're getting, like, a peewee strip at the bottom or whatever. I also think it's good to call out, like, imagine this is a spread. You know, like, we're looking at each strip and kind of talking about them, but also, like, this is a, this is a spread. Like, people are picking this up from a head shop yeah. with no context of comics, maybe haven't read a comic since the newspaper when they are a kid or who knows when, and now you're, like in the middle of this yeah man maybe high or you know tripping or something it would be so bizarre to encounter this with no context totally totally but the people of the day would have their own context and and i think that that's what what spoke to the people man is like they they sort of they had it like they 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 knew this stuff that he was exploring like with this piece ducks yes yes three or four pager uh told in caption monologue which is something that you would not see often you know it's very very unique um it feels like a um feels like a chester brown type type uh story this whole comic is an issue of eight ball sure yeah yeah you know even having like the sub strips where it's like oh my my strip ends two-thirds down let me put another strip at the bottom yeah. like I, you know first person this is the stroll to yeah totally it uh and what a nightmare this panel is man i just stared at that panel me too me too yeah yeah so it's, it's one of the one of the um unforgettable ones Boy, man. Great drawing because it's a juxtaposition ball. like that's very you know it's there's realistic lighting we'll call it realistic sort of building of the thing yes. even though it's cartoony but then a cartoony cop car see like the juxtaposition is that that's the beauty of comics yeah and, a, and now you've got a panel where like you're going in a different language direction with the cartoony stuff yeah uh this you know this strip is making fun of like the beatnik hipster kind of guys the rom the romanticization of the drug addict fucking hippie dude i'll tell you proto the truth. hippie dude yeah making fun of but also like i feel like it feels to me like the author has encountered this guy and it is not a pleasant 
picture of the life that you're living is this like strung out junkie hippie so i heard illusions man uh it was it was bob beerbaum on on his facebook so like you gotta take that like that, consider your source or whatever but bob beerbaum shop owner in in this area said that uh rory hayes is the inspiration for this strip i mean look i love rory hayes cartooning but you read about his life and maybe you know by the way by the way let's not forget you know when i talk about like the birth of the direct market yeah we have phil suling here on the east but there were like seven shops like in that bay area like the bud plant bob beerbaum gary arlington who had a shop where Rory Hayes was just like running the cash register oh, or, man. or I guess the uh, cigar box Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had money in it, like whatever <laughs> comic right, shops yeah. had back in those days. But dude, like, like the direct market is a, that's a West coast, like Bay area Big time. invention, like through this context and fueled by these kind of comics. Wow. That's, that's, I know that. And yet I don't connect all the dots all the time. It's just kind of, coming like in this conversation you could kind of like draw those parallels but it's another one of those stories man if you just read the last five pages of this comic book wow yeah freak out funnies man it's a, it, always great lettering too i feel like uh, we haven't talked about it yet this episode but anytime we talk about crumb you have to absolutely but it's so good it's it's such a reflection of his ability to do everything visually absolutely man and uh if you want to make inferences is this is an old this is an old timer who is a let's not make inferences there are a bunch of fucking little snoids that live in the sewer <laughs> and uh this guy encounters them once again more characters that that crumb will use a lot have no idea what his purpose is for those but it's always entertaining by the way uh the pygmies in ed the happy clown they live go. under the city in the sewer and <laughs> terrorize people there you go man Oh, it's a two-pager. So, so it's like he's a he's an old, fucking square, and then he becomes uh, I don't know. He he leaves that old life behind. This city of the future stuff, man. How about that splash? Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting to think of all the Mobius that I've looked at in my life, and then you look at that splash. Yes, they're not unrelated. As a as a sort of student or vestige of the Harvey Kurtzman brand of cartooning, this is a de facto, you know, almost down to the title lettering, three, mm -hmm. three, three letters. It's almost just uh, Robert Crumb's mad. Yeah. And this story in specific is not far from uh, the one early mad story. It's a Wally Wood story where it's like the city of the future and everybody's in those like, uh, like uh, Segway type machines and a guy gets tipped over and nobody's strong enough to like re rewrite themselves. But it's his version of, you know, here's the future. And there really is like, this has come to pass. Everyone will be tuned to everything that's happening all the time. No one will be left out while we'll being normal. It didn't quite work out that way. Like people are, uh, are ODing on information and it's, it's made people fucking fully bad shit. <laughs> But uh, this one has come to pass. Uh, sex robots, very important in uh, sci-fi fantasy. I've been listening to AI podcasts all week. Yeah, yeah. And, got and that stuff combined with this script. Oh, boy. Yeah, got a lot of AI here. Yeah. Be Jesus Christ. <laughs> Create your own masterpieces. Blow up the world. 
Boy, it's, it's, it's almost a uh, collection of internet clickbait. Oh, totally. Like each one of these things. If he was just coming out and he did this as like a scrolling thing on Instagram, million followers. Yeah. Million little hearts on, on your on your IG. It's even funny. I don't know if you caught the highlight of uh, Logan Paul on the Royal Rumble yeah. and Ricochet. They did a spot in the oh, middle yeah, of the yeah, match yeah, where yeah. they launched from opposite top ropes yeah, at each other. Short. It's this. It's There you go. <laughs> Pretty sure that's where they got the idea. I feel like this is the one modern day panel from from that time period. People sitting around uh, all day playing mind games. Man, I'm so glad this like this this part of my life is so done. Where like people are like, "Hey, want to come over and hang out?" And then, like, "Oh yeah, man, I haven't seen you in a while." And then you sit there and it's like, "Okay, so oh, this is it. This is what we're doing." And then uh, you know we're, we're we're building to this right here. You know, you could, this is Sweden or or one of those like. Uh, Right. One of those Scandinavian countries where you just go here and you get your cyanide pie. You know what, man? Even, like, I've seen an article recently sort of saying how, like, you're lucky if you go at this age, you know, whatever age. But but about, it might have been 65. Like, yeah. like almost literally it might be that, that caption as, like, a headline of, like, it's kind of their ideal way out. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Uncle Uh-Uh in this garbage truck little page of filler and i i feel like i saw this get stone thing i think it is a poster i think it uh i think the ripoff guys i think maybe uh gilbert shelton and crew helped run these off uh but man i swear i think i saw this at um like spencer's i was gonna say dude you could be selling this i think probably on college campuses today totally in high volume totally <laughs> no pun intended and knowing knowing the audience which i'm not really suggesting that crumb did but me personally imagining the audience you know the stories of him selling it on hate street all of that i'm sure there was a very heavy percentage of people that didn't look at any of the craft of anything and it's just like, oh, that's funny man also I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's an equal large percentage that gets to this page follows these directions and then it should say now go back to page one and start again <laughs> look at all the lettering treatments on that one page it's a full ad. It's uh, it's nuts to look at this book. And again, like I can point to generations that followed this that feel like this is a template. This is a blueprint. You know, it's that he thing created, of like... He created a grand tradition It's in amazing comics. by itself, but I don't think we can overstate the influence this book has had on comics. Yeah, totally. It, like just, just making a strip that doesn't need to have a clean resolution is a giant movement forward it creates a lot of possibility of, of the comic medium that was not put in place there before that there's juxtaposition of different languages of comics it, there mingling is. on these pages and, and inventing some stuff like that 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 monologue piece in captions be a couple years before wolverine's doing that <laughs> <laughs> right yeah you know what i'm saying like that's just absolutely i guess there would be versions of that in the ecs and things but uh for all of the recognizable elements of this comic straight up panels using the grids using many crazy weird grids uh using the dialogue bubbles that we're all familiar with this is an extremely avant-garde piece of work hidden uh, inside of something that looks like a comic book on the surface. Yeah, yeah, it's really subversive in that way because you could have this in your in your comic book stacks, on your spinner racks, wherever you put comics, 
and not realize like what it is it also makes me think like how many people got hold of this comic and went on to make their own comics sure because that's the other piece that like it feels like it's dripping with with uh potential yeah um you know if you pick this up and you're a guy that likes to doodle and you're working in your notebook and you know i can picture a high school kid high in the back of the class <laughs> thinking about this and making their own comics out of it because the ingredients feel like they're all there that's the thing too man is uh he does issue one issue one comes out first because i think this was done this was done first but he like they lost the pages or something Some, yeah something happened i think someone may have stolen yeah, them or something he had to redo it so Crumb himself did two issues, the first two issues, zero and one, which also, also, by the way, it's the first issue zero, which is bizarre. Yeah. You know, and it makes sense. It's like, it's like form follows function, right? Like, like, well, I don't got these pages, so I'll put this out as issue one, but now I have them. So I'll put it out as issue zero because it comes first. You say that like it's, it makes total sense, but I mean, like, it'd be so easy to just put a number two on it be like, well, I got them now. So put it out. It's, it's like, this is a bit of genius. Like, I would not skip over the idea that what a solution, especially for a stoner comic. Totally. But everything you just said makes perfect sense in the lore of Zap Comics, where after issue one, he starts getting the calls and the knocks and, you know, Don Donahue or whoever starts, starts, uh, you know, getting the calls and all that stuff from, like, your your uh, Gilbert Shelton's and your S. Clay Wilson's. And it, it really does become, Zap becomes like the, co- it's like super group, man. It's the yard birds of uh, underground comics because these guys were doing work. But so much of it was derivative. So much of it was hack. So much of it was just completely Byzantine and uninspired. But you take the best of those guys and put them inside the glossy covers of Zap comics and you have this like super group of comic talent from that time period where Neil Adams is talking about there's there's nobody you know th- five years before me That's five really years after interesting me it's because and and you know and you've seen you know at Neil Adams literally a fucking John Hamm madman suit and tie and the hair yeah. like Pat Sajak and shit like that it was that show madman like what does it what does it sort of explore? It's a changing of the guard. You got the square stuff, stuffy Madison Avenue dudes, and then you got these young hippies coming up. So like this is like the other side of that. These, so these are those guys. And some of those dudes super accomplished as commercial artists. Yeah. Go on to be fine artists. You know, like craft wise, they're up there with whoever you want to compare them to. But the sensibility is completely different. Maybe the the, the greatest contrast between East Coast West Coast epitomized by those two different groups of artists it's true (laughs) that's amazing show me another uh comics talk that compares continuity studios and zap comics you guys you guys know why you come to cartoonist kayfabe man if you're good to go i'm good to go jimmy yeah man all right kayfabers hit the patreon up man support the channel at that level uh if you are a king kayfaber you're watching us record these videos in real time uh, you have access to the complete stream and me and jimmy do freaking hour in between videos sometimes and uh, you're getting all the videos before anybody else man but the uh the uh videos are brought to you by the books that we make 
Jimmy, let the people know some of the stuff you have out there. Hulk Grand Design and Street Angel Princess of Poverty are my next two books. Depending when this video, when you're watching it, they may be out or they may need to be pre-ordered. So reserve those if you haven't already picked them up. Uh, Street Angel Deadly Girl Alive and The Plain Janes, both available now wherever books are bought and sold. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my comics and art. You can download out of print zines and mini comics and you can see what I'm working on next. Red Room Crypto Killers issue one is going to be coming to shops within the next couple of months, but we need to know how many of those to print, man. So let your comic shop know that you want them. Uh, there are two existing trade paperbacks uh, of Red Room Comics, Trigger Warnings in the Antisocial Network. Hip Hop Family Tree is celebrating its, four, its, its 10 year anniversary and there are four volumes of that out, two box sets are out there in the wild, uh, three volumes of X-Men Grand Design in the wild, and uh, you'll find WYSIWYG if you look look hard enough. Um, supporting the books keeps the uh, videos coming out to you on a regular basis. Jimmy, what else do we have out there that uh, people can help support the channel with? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below the video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. Perfect way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way, Jim. Read more comics.